This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. On 11.16 SEM, the award-winning crunch time. What the H is the deal at Honda? Seven-year warranty and roadside assist across a great range. Search Honda offers. Head to Subway and try the new hot grilled paninis. Beautifully to Seedsman, who can go from 55. He loads it up. He lashed it home. And it's the Crows who strike first. He's not waiting for the man on the mark. He took all the territory given and says, thank you very much. He's bombed the goal from 50. Smart football from Cam Guthrie. Works to kick the full forward there. That's Myers was unbelievable. He plucked it from the bounce and snapped it through for a goal. It's a high ball to full forward. Has anyone got the energy left? Oh, Dangerfield just bowled in and crashed anyone in sight and it's gone out of bounds. He got pollaxed by Talia. Pacing after it is Siegeman. You know he can do some damage. He gathers, he has a look. It's Selwood chasing. He knows he's got him covered. Two bounces, Siegeman, and a magnificent kick. And it goes all the way. He kicked a great goal early. That was even better. Brad Crouch and Myers. Myers pinched it away. Broke the play open. Ran to the 50. Had a shot this time. And that is richly deserved. And the siren sounds. And the Cats, after a little hiccup after the bye, regain their composure and continue to enjoy their view from atop the AFL ladder. Collingwood might be the best team in the comp and they scraped over the line um, last week, GWS last night. It's just hard to predict week to week. We certainly haven't fallen into the trap of thinking that we're better than we are. If we did, we'd just look at a bit of vision of the last two weeks because I think there have been big patches where most teams would look at us and say, I'm not sure what's so scary about them. The Cats continue to set the pace as Adelaide's generation of misery down the highway continues. The swing man who shaped the game, Mark Blitzavs, joins us in the aftermath of Friday Night Footy. If there's better systems out there, let's explore them. If, there, if there's not, then um, let's continue to just tinker with ours and work out how it can be the best it can be. I think what the AFL should do is go to the key stakeholders of the game which are the AFL clubs, and figure out what we want to do. We either want to fully invest or let's not have it at all. I think we've acknowledged the system has had its flaws during the year. I'm comfortable the way the system worked last night, and in the end it was a decision, a subjective assessment by the guys making the decision. And with debate raging over the quality and effectiveness of the score review system, the man in charge, Steve Hocking, is our headline guest. This is the round 15 edition of Crunch Time for What the H is the Deal at Honda. Seven-year warranty and roadside assist across a great range. Search Honda offers and head to Subway and try the new hot-grilled paninis.
Geelong by 27 points over Adelaide last night. Essendon by six over the Giants in a match that continues to reverberate this Saturday. The headline act is Nick Natanui's return to footy. He'll do so at the MCG. What will that do to the Premiership defence of the Eagles? Jared Waitley with you on a wintry morning at the MCG. In Adelaide, Kane Corns is in place. Kane, good morning to you. Uh, good morning, Jared. Yeah, pretty wintry here in Adelaide as well, which could affect tonight's game between the Dogs and Port Adelaide, an important one there. And I'm joined by a bit of royalty in the studio, so it's lovely to have Bob Murphy in the studio as well here with me. G'day, Kane. As a broadcaster, let's not throw the word royalty around just too <laughs> no, loosely, but it's, it's, it's great to be here. Uh, and, good to hear you too, Jared. And Josh Jenkins, the spearhead from the Crows, is here as well. JJ. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'll just uh, get your microphone on there, JJ. Number four, you are. Go again. Yes, good morning. It uh, was up on the surface at Amy Stadium at 7 a.m. this morning, so I could be here. So still trying to thaw out. <laughs> what did you make of last night, Kane? Well, I, was, I don't think Adelaide lost any admirers, did they, Jared? I thought it was a, a pretty solid performance. Um, injuries and personnel clearly affected them in the end, and um, the lack of opportunities for their forwards was an issue. But start of the game, they were up for the fight, they were in the contest, thought their, their work around the footy was strong, and as I said, they didn't lose any admirers. I think you know they'd be disappointed with the last quarter, and a, a few of their players didn't have an influence at all, and a few of their key players. So, look, they've got some issues, there's no doubt about it, but just how important Lynch is and, and, and Josh as well. So good news on his knee. We'll hear from him shortly. But the lack of influence from their forwards was an issue, I think, last night. Now, part of that is because of the supply, just 40 inside 50s. and But but nothing really from Walker, Betts, Douglas, Himmelberg, Davis and Murphy. So uh, I think the, maybe the biggest talking point is is Eddie Betts' form, Jared, and where exactly he is at in his career. And I know he's had some moments this year and, as he always, has had some flashy moments and he's had some a couple of good games, but he's just not influencing games like like he has in the past. So that's an issue for them um, that they need to work through. But big showdown next week. So what about that, Bob? Is, is there somewhere between the moments still have the old Betty, Eddie in them and then the other moments make Eddie look old? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, that, it's tough, isn't it? Because that, that position, more, more so than anywhere else, is... It, it is you're sort of relying on moments, and I think Kane touched on you know forty inside fifties. Well, that's you know that's the targets, but that's that's Eddie as well. He he, he thrives on on those kind of opportunities. So I I think he's st- I think he's still got more in him. He's still got he's still got the brilliance. But this is this is a tough time of the year. You know, talk about the July test coming into the the hardest month of the year for for uh, for young players and for and for guys who are you know coming towards the end. That the winters are the winters are tough. What's your perspective, Josh, as a, a teammate? Oh, I just was having a look. He is, he's kicked 26 goals, so he's 12th in the Coleman. So he's still um, a valuable contributor on the scoreboard. And look, if you um, looked at and watched last night's game, that was an area we needed. So, you know, we still need his ability. We need guys who have an ability to create three or four or five scoring shots per game because we've got um, we've got an inexperienced forward line at the moment with Tom and myself out of the team. So we need guys who can create scores. Now, he didn't last night, but he has the capability of doing so. And he also does still command a lot of respect from the opposition. And, I, you know, I'd imagine Jed Buse was... Geelong was stoked to get Jed Buse back in the side because they know that he can, he can handle Eddie and not many defenders can. So um, I think... Uh, Eddie would have liked to have played better last night. He's probably had a, a lean 
few weeks here or there. But that's, as Bob said, that's that can be the position. It can be lean at times. And I guess at other stages, you've really got to cash in and take your opportunities. And he's done that more often than not. I just think it's going to be an issue for them. I think the new rules, and I'm happy to ask JJ about this as well, perhaps have affected Eddie as well. You know, he's so under Phil Walsh probably brought in Eddie off the back of the square to not be able to do that as well. I felt like that did get him into a game where last night you have 40 inside 50 as well. Let's send Eddie up behind the square, get him bursting through, lose his direct opponent, reset as a forward, and uh, you might get a window where you can have an influence. Do you think the, the new rules perhaps have affected him? Yeah, perhaps. I mean, as a as as any playing any position, there's nothing worse than standing there starving and not getting a touch. Particularly as a forward who plays close to goal, and um, you know, as a defender, you can you can run and take the kick in and just get a feel of the footy. Or I used to be able to go run up and go third up in the ruck just to feel like you're involved in the game and take the kick outs. That was always the mantra. There, get yourself into the game. Kick it to yourself, Kane. Run out. Get a stat. Yeah. Um, so it can be it can be tough, and you're right. Without that ability to send him up behind, off the back of the square, I mean, we we can still do it. Um, it just means he's technically starting as a defender, which is probably not ideal. But um, he he probably also needs to take. He's he's played th- over 300 games. He needs to also command that presence and say, look, I need to be in the game for the betterment of the team. Not not selfishly. I need If he's playing well, we're a better team. So he needs to sometimes go up and say, you know what, Brad Crouch, get out of the centre bounce because I need to be in, involved in the game. And that's not selfish. That's actually helping us. The Geelong side of things is the move of Blitzavs into the ruck reshaped the game as Adelaide were winning around the ball as O'Brien was shading Stanley. It wasn't out-and-out dominance, but he was certainly shading him. Blitzavs comes from full-back, goes into the ruck. Be fascinated to know what the balance was, is how much of that was planned, how much of that was instinct. And then Blitzavs just took over in the middle. He reframed the game. It, it, it reframes a lot is if you mm. let your mind run to a cutthroat final cane and if Stanley's getting touched up by by Grundy or by Nat Nui is what we saw last night is it's it's a club in the bag that Chris Scott has got and he played it to devastating effect last night. No doubt about that. I thought it was pretty good coaching. We'll talk about the move of Selwood as well. Started on ball maybe for the first time this year as well. So clearly worried about the contested and clearance numbers from the week before. But that move from from Blixarves, who had the job on Walker, and it looked it looked nervous uh, at times for Geelong when Blixarves did go off Taylor for, for probably the first time in the game. Thought oh, Tex could get away here, but uh, that would be the only concern for me. Jared is the ruck stocks at Geelong. Stanley well beaten by Lysett last week. You know perhaps Scott Lysett's best game at AFL level. So and then beaten by Riley O'Brien. So we're not talking about Gorn and Grundy here. We're talking about Lysett and Riley O'Brien. You know, n- not two of the more uh, intimidating ruckmen in the competition. So that's an issue for them. So to have that up your sleeve, now I'm not sure Blixarves can do it against the big powerhouses and the ideal method was when he, when he sort of came third up, but you can't do that anymore. But it was a, it was good coaching last night on those two fronts. Selwood starting on ball and then that move, which wasn't wasn't without risk, Bob. No, it's, it'd be interesting to talk to, say, say a Brody Grunny, who's such a, he's an extra on ball of like Blitzarves mm. in, like it, it is a kind of concern, from, but that's a, that, that would play on a on a on a ruckman's mind the established sort of orthodox sort of ruckman to have to have someone who's such a powerful powerful mm. athlete. So it'd be interesting if when when we get to the end, like you say, Jerry, when we get to the when we get to the big dance in the in those big finals, if he if Chris Scott plays that card. 
He's a pretty remarkable footballer, Josh, in, in what he's been able to do. So the, the steeplechaser, he's found his way. He's won two best and fairest. He's played everywhere. He seemed to have settled as one of the premier defenders in the competition. He, he can still do that with within a match. Um, he's He is a unique talent. Yeah, he's he's easily the most versatile player in the game. He can He's just as uh, adept at playing on, you know, power forwards as he is at playing on a Tom Lynch and Lynch he wasn't out there last night but he can such as his running capability he can he can play on any kind of forward he can play on the big forwards and and it would have thrown um Riley O'Brien off last night seeing a different kind of athlete come in now Reese can cover the ground uh exceptionally well but um you know Blitzhaus has played and I believe one of best and fairest as a genuine midfielder on baller. Now he was, you know, he was doing some different things with third ups and and that. But he he played midfield and and, and played genuinely inside the centre. So it would have thrown Riley off. Now Riley still finished with a really strong game. You know, statistics were fantastic, but it changed the dynamic of the game when Blitzers went in there. For me, that was the the key moment in the game when he went in there. Geelong's ascendancy started uh, to really take over. And the other, um, I thought the other standout performance from what we don't necessarily know was was Grian Myers and just mm. his capacity to snaffle a goal. Yeah, well, the, and he's, he'll come up with the, the rising star as well. So we spoke about how hard that position to play as a, a small forward is, but to be able to do it, you've got to get up the ground and you've got to get involved up the ground. You've got to use your engine to get back and get inside 50 and kick the ball inside 50. So he... He looked the most dangerous player, I thought, on the ground last night. So he's had he's had 20, he's had eight inside 50s and a couple of goals last night. Myers, he's been effective with ball in hand, a high metres gained player. So, he, And he's one of those players, Bob, where he, he, he lifts, you know, he, he doesn't need to have 30 possessions because every time he gets it, you can see the emotion and the energy. Of the, the energy, lifts. Yeah, you, yeah, especially down there. Yeah. So, no, it was, it was a strong performance. They, they got a lot of young, good kids, Jared, which, which is the most impressive thing, I think, about Geelong, to have the influence of the youngsters for a team that's only lost two games for the year. It's, it's been a great story. It's been a great story. And, and we heard you know, Chris Scott speak about the fact they've got some areas to work on. Well, I think you should be pretty happy with that performance last night because in the end it was, was reasonably convincing. I mean, inside 50 numbers and a plus 20-odd and... Um, you know, apart from a bit of a slow start, it, w- it was a very, very solid performance. And did Tim Kelly add to what he's been doing this year? And uh, I noticed with Cripps injured, he's he's lost Brownlow medal favouritism. Kelly's sharing that mark with, with Fife uh, in some quarters. Uh, he would have been in the votes last night. It's in the eye of the beholder as to whether he was 3-2 or 1. Uh, he was 3 for mine. He, um, I've just... I haven't seen... Just beggars belief how he was able to run around in the West Australian Footy League for so long and go unnoticed to some degree. But his ability to to pick up a ground ball or pick up a swoop on a loose ball at speed and make make good athletes look really average and really slow. He's he was he was a cut above for mine last night, Bob. <laughs> it's it, you do you kind of shake your head and think we we talked about you know the trio. And we sort of thought, oh, we feel a bit bad for leaving Mitch Duncan out because, you know, Selwood and Ablett and Dangerfield, such news and excitement around them playing together. Tim Kelly might be better than <laughs> all of them at the moment. It's quite, it's quite incredible. He's having an incredible season. Uh, and Kane, you were all right with the Danger Show last night? No, I thought it was a, uh, I thought it was a significant collision, wasn't it? I mean, that, and, and once again, I, 
get a bit frustrated because a, a certain grab of what I said about Dangerfield got picked up and uh, you stand by that. But what I also did say was he's one of the toughest players I've ever seen when the ball is in his area. And, and that was the case. Look, uh, he got straight up, didn't he? So whether, I don't know, whether the, the, those comments are on his mind, I'm not sure. But uh, to, to be able to play out the game the way he did are after... You in, are you in his head, Kevin? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. But after, You're in my head. After looking at the Talia knee going straight into his hip um, and for him to get up and, and I would actually have... play a decent part in the second half. It wasn't at his best, but uh, no, I thought it was. I thought he was uh, very brave. I would have been in a casket after that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the, uh, if, that, if that knee had flushed him in the stomach, he's, that could have been seriously dangerous. Kidney. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it wasn't unlike... Um, Rick Disnick. Uh, Tom Honigan, when he went back with the flight of the ball and, and actually lost a kidney. So, now, uh, I wouldn't be taking too many risks um, with danger after that. But, uh, yeah, his, his kicking was off, but he still went forward and played a meaningful role in the game. All right, coming up on Crunch Time, we've got the Hawthorne Chief Executive, Justin Reeves. There's a lot swirling around the Hawks over the past couple of weeks, so it's opportune, given we're at the MCG, to have a chat to him ahead of their clash with the Eagles. And then Steve Hocking will join us to any number of questions out of the football portfolio at the AFL, and primary amongst them is the score review system. So those are the next two interviews coming on Crunch Time. Let's check in with Russell Barwick and uh, get the odds for Unibet. Get footy fill-ups every week at unibet.com.au. Morning, everyone. Very early over here in the UK as we gear up for a big weekend in sport leading into Wimbledon starting on Monday and, of course, the cricket later today. I'll get to that very, very shortly. Let's talk about the AFL, though. Hawthorne and the West Coast Eagles, the first game uh, this afternoon. The Hawks, 2.28. The West Coast Eagles, $1.63. Been a little bit easy in the market over the last 24 hours and the line is 7.5. Plenty of punters keen to take the Hawks with that seven and a half start. Collingwood favourites to beat North Melbourne, $1.33 and 330. The Kangaroos, the line there, 20 and a half. And the late game tonight, the Port Adelaide Power. Certainly favourites with the punters uh, over the past couple of weeks after their win last week, particularly $1.34. And the Western Bulldogs, $3.25. Now, I mentioned the cricket. Uh, two big games today. The first one this morning in the UK, Pakistan. Afghanistan and the Aussies cheering Pakistan left, right and centre because if they win, puts a lot of pressure on the Poms in that final game uh, for them to even make the semi-finals. It'll be very interesting over the next three or four days. Pakistan, very short price favourites. But New Zealand at $2.80. Australia, $1.44. They were $1.50 earlier in the week, but that's been taken. It's now $1.44, the Aussies, to continue on their winning way. Plenty to look forward to across the weekend. Unibet.com.au. Download the app and gamble responsibly. Thanks, Russ. Get legendary tips on At Odds with Junior Fletch and Hammer. Watch the latest episode at unibet.com.au. On 1116 SEN, the award-winning crunch time. What the H is the deal at Honda? Seven-year warranty and roadside assist across a great range. Search Honda offers. Head to Subway and try the new hot grilled paninis. Across a great range. Search Honda offers. Head to Subway and try the new hot grilled paninis. Jared Waitley, Kane Corns, Bob Murphy, Josh Jenkins with you on Crunch Time this morning and with us in the box at the MCG is the Hawthorne Chief Executive, Justin Reeves. Justin, welcome. Uh, good morning, thanks. Describe the challenges of 2019 from a Hawthorne perspective for us. Oh, geez, that's a, that's a big one first up. Um, I mean, I think like, like, like all clubs, you, uh, this is a 
really, really hard competition to uh, to you know maintain um, success in, and uh, we've done a pretty good job of that. You know, last year we finished top four. This year we've had some challenges um, around where we'd like. We're probably not where we'd like to be at this stage of the year. I think we're five and eight coming into a pretty hard run. So the challenges on the field are, um, you know, they're in front of us, And uh, but I think we're pretty well positioned. We've got really good people right throughout the club that uh, are not in panic mode. Um, you know, they're well, well prepared to see us through. And we have no doubt that we'll, we'll see this through. And then off the field, the club's in a really, really sound, um, good position. So we're, you know, ticking that box, but it'd be nice to win a few more games. A question around your fixture and your crowd. So this is something that Kane's taken up. Kane. Yeah, Justin, I, I'm, I'm interested to think, are you disappointed in your supporter base? 80,000 members, you're on track for your lowest crowd since 2006. Where are they? Because they've been pretty spoilt, your fans. Yeah, they have been pretty spoiled. Um, it's interesting, you know, we've done a fair bit of analysis, which is sort of a bit of a boring um, word, I guess, but really on what our crowds are, and particularly this week, and, um, you know, Jay Clark wrote that article this week, and, I, and it gave us a bit of a, uh, gave me a bit of an opportunity to spend some time with the team. In actual fact, our, our crowds, like for like, if you compare the, cra- the, the, the time slots versus the opposition, we're actually about where we've always been. We just had, really this year we've had a, a host of Sunday 3:20 games, which haven't helped, um, and then we have, you know, we've 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 got one Friday night game for the year, which is next week against Collingwood. We, we just haven't had a great fixture, and also th- there's no doubt that after a long uh, run of success, that you know, and the fixtures aren't exactly what you'd like to be. People do get a bit more picky and choosy. I mean, people are, are buying their memberships. Our membership will uh, break the record again this year, um, which is good. So people are supporting the club, but but deciding, I think, and voting with their feet not to turn up to time slots that don't suit. Have is you it done a cop-out? Yep, go on. To, sorry, Jerry. Is it, a, is it a cop-out to blame the fixture, though? Because uh, how do you explain 14,000 at the MCG for round eight, beautiful sunny day, 3.20 Sunday, which isn't an awful time slot, to be honest. How, how can you explain 14,000 fans turning up for that well, game well, which you won? Well, firstly, I don't think it's a cop-out. Um, you know, it's, it's really interesting. The only other time that one of the expansion clubs... Uh, being GWS or Gold Coast have played on a 3.20 on Sunday, the MCG, the crowd was actually much lower than that. Um, so I don't think it's a cop-out for there. 3.20 isn't a good time stop. Kane, we get, you know, we get the emails and we get the letters and we get the phone calls from our members complaining about that all the time. 3.20 on a Sunday afternoon in Melbourne against a uh, interstate low-drawing opposition is about the worst time slot you can get. Now, we understand we can't play in the best time slot every week, but those sort of ones don't help at all. And we think there's probably a better time for that game. That game, actually, funnily enough, would actually be a good game for one of our four in Tasmania. Um, you know, we'd get the sort of 13, 14,000 that we do in Tasmania, and, and, and it would be good. Um, but it's certainly not a good game for a 3.20 Sunday MCG, biggest stadium in the country. Have you done enough to promote your game? So Hawthorne has promoted its own games by being a successful and winning team. In a year where that has dipped, have you been imaginative enough to draw your people to the footy? Yeah, I, I think we have. I think that uh, you know our team works really, really hard um, on being creative and being innovative. Um, there's only so much you can do, you know, week to week, sort of year to year. We We've built a really good model around our membership and our attendance over the years, but you know we, we do suffer from, um, like other clubs do, playing the MCG where it's just such a big stadium and there's not, you know, when, when you, if you're at Geelong or if you're at Adelaide or you're in Perth, there's a fear of missing out. Um, you know, you go, you got your this sort of thing, but here that's not. But people can change their mind 
right up until the last minute of whether they'll come to this game or not. You know, today will be a good example of that. It's, it, it's sort of a bit cold, it's a bit blowy. There'll be people now making up their mind of whether they venture into the MCG today or watch it in the comfort of their own home on a very big screen on a very comfortable weather so, lounge. So how much lies with you, Justin, to get them off the couch? Yeah, it all lies with us. I mean, we, we do and we have to be relentless in our pursuit to, to get them here. Um, and we'll do what we can. We, we actually can't chain them to the car and bring them in, but we'll actually do everything that we possibly can to encourage them. When did you re-sign the contract with Alistair Clarks? Yeah, late last year, the end of uh, 2018. Where was it? We sat down. Uh, actually, it didn't take long at all. I sat down with James Henderson, uh, Al's manager. I had a couple of conversations with Al, and we, we agreed that, you know, Alistair um, wanted to stay. He wanted to be a one-club coach, and uh, that was actually really, really easy. Um, negotiation. Pleasurable, almost. So wh- why do you think it is so often questioned as to whether he could uproot and go to another team? Well, I think it's never questioned from Alistair. That's the first thing. It's never questioned from the club. Um, it's questioned from the media because Alistair's been the most successful coach of his generation. So every time a coaching opportunity arises, the first thing people say is, who's the best coach? Go and get him. Now, that's Alistair Clarkson. That's Alistair Clarkson. That, that's something that he or we can't control of the media around that. And then there's, you know, it's obviously topical. It's very competitive in this uh, media landscape that we operate in. So, you know, it's, it, it's, there's a bit of a shock jock sort of a uh, theme creeping in. And then people like to get a headline. And there's no bigger headline than Alistair Clarkson as a coach. So do you have any reason to ponder whether Clarkson will be there to the end of 2022? Absolute zero. Because the scenario that you're now in would have been part of your discussion at the end of last year. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Alistair's, you know, Alistair's very aware. The club's made some, and, and Clarko and his team and the list management team have made some pretty bold decisions over the last couple of years of what we're doing with the list. Um, you know, we don't we don't want to be where we are at the moment at five wins and eight losses. Uh, we don't think, you know, we don't think this is long term. We, we, our list management has been pretty successful over a long period of time, and we've got full faith in those guys. Alistair knew the challenges ahead, and coming off the the, the, the amazing success that, that that they saw over that 13, 14, 15 years, um, they know what's ahead, and they're and they're building, and we trust them. Do you think every club searching for a coach rings James Henderson to ask? I'd be surprised if they don't. I mean, I, you know, I know if I was um, in the position of one of the clubs that was looking for a coach, I think you would want to at least have ask get a quick no probably but you always want to ask the, uh, the you know the number one coach in the competition do you check in to see if if there's any heat around it no no I don't I mean, our relationship um, with Alistair and with James is really really strong um, I trust them both completely and uh, you know the conversations we have continually um, support that you've got no reason to question that and Clarkson's public commentary is absolutely unwavering isn't it as to why he wouldn't break a contract he couldn't be any any stronger you know, it, it's really interesting that they just keeps coming back up because how many times does he have to say, "I'm not, I'm not leaving, I'm not breaking this contract." You know, they're strong words, and he says that, and then two days later, someone else says, "Alistair Clarkson, this Alistair Clarkson, that." It's unfair. Uh, we've we're on the uh, on the clock here, so just let me ask you this: it, You apologise for the conduct of Ben Stratton before the tribunal hearing. Alistair Clarkson called what happened hysteria. D- did your apology in any way fuel what your coach believed was hysteria and did he believe in the apology that was put forward before the tribunal hearing yeah yeah we agreed um i mean the first thing that happens whether and this is you know not 
building the public side of it. But internally at our club, if we we think anyone, the club, whether that's me, whether that's Clarko, whether it's Ben Stratton, whether it's Jeff or anyone, makes a mistake, uh, we need to take responsibility for that. So our first conversation was, okay, this is not something that we that, that we support. Okay, so we need to take a, a responsibility and accountability for that. Um, Apologise to those that have been affected and then move on. And we did that. You know, really clearly we, we did that over the weekend in Ben's case. And, uh, we, you know, Ben did it. I did it on behalf of the club. Um, ben was fantastic. You know, he was really remorseful. Um, we moved on really quickly. You know, Alistair, coaches defend their players and we and we love that about the coaches. Alistair also, you know, I think in his commentary was very similar. You know, that taking accountability for it, made a mistake, went too far, took responsibility and moved on. Did Jeff Kennett make a mistake that he ultimately apologised for and did you play a role in, um, in guiding him? Um, I think Jeff's on the record to say that, you know, he... Uh, um, well, his words exactly. Well, I think he had a poor choice of words. He took again. He took full responsibility and accountability for that, um, and he apologised. He apologised unreservedly. He, so. After he had doubled down, is did you did you counsel him at all? I, I spoke to Jeff, but I, I wouldn't say that I counselled him. I like I do with everybody in our organisation. We we have a conversation, and uh, he you know he, he was it was absolutely his decision to uh, to take responsibility and, and apologise, and I support that. I think he. Now, I think it, it, it took, sometimes it takes a lot for the, to do that publicly. And uh, I was really, really, th- you know, um, I admired Jeff for actually, because he he had doubled down and, and then he saw the error in his ways and uh, was more than happy to take responsibility for it. Lively times. Good on you, Justin. Okay. Good to have you here. Thanks, Jeff. Justin Reeves, the Chief Executive of Hawthorne in the Box at the MCG. Steve Hocking after the break. So all the questions in the football portfolio, including the score review system, which will be our lead-off act. This is crunch time. Know what the H you're getting. Search Ask Honda and try the new hot grilled paninis at Subway. On 1116 SEN, the award-winning crunch time. What the H is the deal at Honda? Seven-year warranty and roadside assist across a great range. Search Honda offers. Head to Subway and try the new hot grilled paninis. Steve Hocking about to join us from the AFL to talk footy matters, the rules, the mid-season trade period and particularly the score review system. Uh, he'll be in the box in a moment's time. On crunch time with Kane Corns, Bob Murphy, Josh Jenkins and Jared Waitley. So let's just tidy up. Uh, Hawks a minute away. Let's just tidy up there. So Justin Reeves re-signed Alistair Clarkson at the end of last year, eyes wide open. Um it is. It's such a rich narrative. The suggestion that he could be lured for two million dollars to another club is. It is a fantasy, is it not? I would think so. I, I get uh, a bit interested in coaches and their coaching situations, considering you know Longmire's been spoken about as well. He's got a contract. What exactly a contract means as a coach? It, it appears to be only in favour of the coach. It, but if he wants to leave, he can go. Is that is that how you read it? Or? Well, yeah, I suppose so. But, but, but the Clark Acre, it does. You do get the sense of not questioning it. They don't. That's the, he's not going anywhere. No, no, no. But it is. It's, it's almost like the dance, isn't it? Because okay, that's locked away. But we know that clubs will go. We'll, we'll throw everything we've got at you. I think you have to ask the question, JJ. Like if, you, if you're a Carlton um, or a North Melbourne, you, you have to ask the question about the best coach in the competition. But you expect the answer to come back and be knocked on the head pretty quickly. Yeah. Well, you don't. You don't get an answer unless you ask a question. So. You, if you believe he or anyone else uh, at another club is the best person to fill your role, yeah, I think you're, you're obligated in your role to ask the question. And, and we've seen stranger things. Yeah, well, we see players all the time. No, 
you know, I'm contracted and I'm happy. And then, you know, it's coming becoming more prevalent. Guys move who are under contract. So I guess there's, there's very little difference um, in the coaching landscape. What does fascinate me, Jared, is, is how he copes with it, though, Clarko. So the least, if I was a prospective coach, probably the least that the club I would least want to coach is Hawthorne with their list demographic, oldest list coming into the competition and the lack of talent coming through. He said he doesn't want to be a mediocre side, so... Watch this space about how he's going to go about rebuilding this list to have a tilt at the finals. What's your, what's your for, gut for, on it, Kane? Or do you I, think, I think they'll more top up again. Top up again. I think they have to. Yeah, I think they have to top up again because he's that far down the road. So this one is going to be fascinating to watch, particularly this trade period and beyond. All right, uh, Steve Hocking, who is uh, the general manager of footy operations at the AFL, is with us at the G. Steve, welcome to Crunch Time. Thanks, Jared. Did Adam Kennedy touch the kick of Sean McKernan on Thursday night? Well, not in my view, not in the vision that I've seen, but uh, the other thing is the most important thing, uh, and that is that the um, the operator on the night felt that wasn't the case. So they, they had roughly about 50 seconds to review that. And, uh, yeah, their view is, uh, and the review since, is um, that, that wasn't the case. What was the bent finger? Uh, well, yeah, certainly the more you analyse that, and that's what the fans uh, look at, they think there's a bent finger. Um, in their view, it was inconclusive. So that's where it landed, and I'm happy to support the uh, the review officer in that case. You've stated previously that the public doesn't have faith in the score review system as it's operating now. I think that's pretty clear over the past 48 hours. There are obviously stakeholders who don't. Uh, do you retain confidence that it serves any purpose in the game at the moment? Uh, yes, I do, and I, and I refer to last night and, and the edge technology. I mean, that's that's something that's been introduced this year, and uh, we've been working with the uh, with the broadcaster to um, to try and have that live. Um, and the first instance of that was last night. The first time we didn't quite get it right. The second time we got it absolutely right, as far as it um, being uh, fed into the broadcast. Um, so we're working really hard behind the scenes to make sure that we're actually improving that. That's the initial piece. Um, and how are we doing that? We're making sure that we've got the best operators uh, and the most experienced operators actually um, at, at games. And then beyond that, uh, fortunately, have been given a green light to, to really explore the future of that. I've spent time this year um, up in Sydney uh, having a look at the A-League and also the NRL bunker and, and what our model needs to be moving forward. And, you know, what the fans do need to know is that we're absolutely committed to that, and particularly myself and, and the team that uh, sit behind that. And there's a lot of work going on to um, explore what is best for 2020. Is there any chance for finals in 2019? Yeah, there absolutely is, Jared. And I, I think that, uh, you know, what I can say to the fans is that the, um, the edge technology, we ghosted that in last final series. Um, and it works successfully and it's found its way into the broadcast now um, and we will certainly look if, if we can get it set up and we can get the right the right uh, model um, we, we've got people coming from all areas so the upside of all of this um, we get we get more of the percentage right as far as the score review absolutely accept the fact that there is some that we don't get right and and most of that's been human error it ha actually hasn't been system it's actually been human error um, and what we'll do is we'll make sure that if we can get that right for the finals we'll ghost that in over the finals but that'll take you know that's what eight or nine ten weeks that we've got to to try and work with that and we've got a lot of partnerships that are being offered up off the back of the uh, you know, the advertising that's going on around it. The edge technology from last night, Steve, so on the split screen, yeah. when the ball is about a, a half a metre from the post is when the tremor 
starts on the edge technology. If that happens in cricket, that snicko starts to fire before the ball reaches the bat, there's no way that passes the test of conclusive evidence. What's the first... What, yeah, what's so, the tremor on the edge so, technology so that, so that, as it runs? So that part would be um, uh, crowd noise. That would be part of it. And then what they do is they basically frame by frame, they reduce that in to what they need and separate that out so that it's actually just related to um, the ball touching the uh, the post. So the, there are tremors all over the place. So the last of the tremors does represent the ball touching the back of the post in your view? Yes. And that's my understanding of it. So this is, I could take you through this frame by frame and show you that it's before the ball reaches the post in what we were shown last night on the broadcast. That is where the tremors are working. So there's this is bad for radio, I get that. Yes. But tremor, 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 ball reaches the post, still tremors, which don't look any different to the previous tremors in, in what... Uh, is on the line. Yes, as, as I said, some of that would be uh, related to crowd noise, which they, the, the actual operator, the uh, Hawkeye operator, would actually just um, carve that out, and, and and then be picking up where it does actually uh, hit the post itself and make contact with it. It is a bit of a leap of faith, I reckon. Do you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, as I said, it's it's been ghosted in over the final series, and and we think that it's um it's good technology, and uh, in, in in our view, um, it was used effectively last night. Are your score reviewers casuals in AFL departments who take a six shift to go and work the score review system? No, that that, that is not the case. Um, there's certainly uh, there there are people within our um, the AFL staff that are that, that are part of it definitely, but um, you know what we've got is we've got a group of 15. Uh, one of the things that would happen with a uh, review centre is that we would be able to actually um, uh, condense that down to a smaller group of people. Um, and off the back of that, one of the, one of the biggest challenges, Jared, is in, in officiating is actually getting enough time to replicate the game and and you know that decision making it's really difficult so that's on-field umpires that's goal umpires and and in this case that's officiating um you know around score review officers and you know during the week the the real challenge is how do you replicate the the um you know the pressure and, and the scrutiny that comes uh, with the game game day you just can't do that some of the stuff that we've been doing with the umpiring team on-field umpiring team is over recent weeks has been related to the gopro you know, some of the fans will have seen that and the reason for that is um we've got a gentleman that we've appointed within um, Pyron, a guy by the name of Damien Farrow that's been in the role um, four months. He's come from uh, Victoria Uni. They're actually building a library and, and they're building a library of, um, of vision that can be used in VR. And so off the back of that, they can actually be walking around at, um, you know, on a Tuesday night in training with goggles on and actually making decisions. And that's already been seen over the last couple of months. And, and we're seeing an improvement off the back of that. Um, and so with a review centre, what we'd be able to do is we would be able to have um, a smaller cohort of, of um, operators and uh get greater consistency off the back of that. Uh, the other thing is, on a, on a day like today, we could actually just have the one or two um, score reviewers actually involved in multiple games today yep. as well. And so what you get is you get a greater efficiency and an elite training environment off the back of that as well. And that's one of the challenges at the moment. If we've got AFL casual staff and so forth that are involved in that, that is part of the training that needs to go on. You've got a senior operator that sits in there and you've got someone sitting on their shoulder because if that person falls over, over, it's got to go to someone. We have emergency 
field umpires, we have emergency goal umpires, you've got to have backup plans. Was your best guy on duty on Thursday night or a junior? No, our best guy was on, on duty and I, and I understand that um, you know, there's some um, rhetoric around that. Um, what I can say with confidence is our best guy. If he had ruled that that conclusively hit the finger, would you have stood by him? Um, yes, I, I, I think we would have. Yeah, absolutely. Because what we need to do is um, is, is back our people in, and I think that uh, you know what we've seen is um, over the last uh, you know, month or so, and, and certainly prior to that, we've just seen some human error, um, and, and 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 we get that, we accept that, we acknowledge that. They're under uh, real scrutiny at the moment, uh, and and you know my role in that is to continue to try and improve the system. So if the result was going, to, you have to forgive me here because I'm a cynic of the system. I yes, like yes, that. I get that. If the if you could have had the result right either way then how on earth can you cross a threshold of beyond reasonable doubt um, well look they, they've they've got uh, they've got a vision of uh, you know what we've provided them um, as to um, the threshold level and in their view uh, they actually made a call um, as the ball was leaving the boot and so it wasn't reviewed. It was a silent review. It wasn't reviewed once it was gone through the goal. So they were already on to that. They'd slowed the vision down. Um, and you're talking, you know, when we say slow it down, slow-mo slow cameras, and um, they were already on to that. And that was like 50 seconds out. And, and in their view, um, and this particular operator's view, it, it was not touched. So I'm, I'm more than happy to support that. In the seven that have happened previously, and the worst one was in Hobart, where a correct call was made yeah. into an error, do you feel like there are moments where the score review system just embarrasses the status of the game? Uh, well, look, I, I feel embarrassed about it. Yeah, definitely. And, and that's my role to feel that way about it. Um, but what I can say is, and, and will say, is we're committed to what the, you know improving that and, and making sure that the future um, is the best model is not in operation. You know, what good organisations do is um, they recognise that there is um, you know, some concern around this and, and we've got to move forward on it. And uh, as I said earlier, I've, I've been fortunate enough to spend time live around NRL games this year and also A-League games to see um, you know, two of the best in this country operating. Um, we've done some research as far as overseas. Uh, the NBA have spent $15 million mm. just for the last two minutes of their game. Um, because what is changing is, and I, I think that's the thing to talk about, I, I get you're a cynic around it, but the game's changing as well. And so off the back of that... Yeah. I'm only a cynic until you build the proper bunker in round one next year. So my contention is not that we should and shouldn't have it, is we should build a real system for round one next year and you should shut it down until then because the risk of the error is just as... I don't know how anyone could have any faith in the final moment of a grand final that we were going to get the right call. You're just so, as likely to get the wrong call, I think. So you would prefer to take just all the errors and, and just I, accept I'd, those? I'd take what comes on the field for the rest of this year, acknowledging yeah. that by round one next year, we'll have a proper system, a ground-up system, and you weren't there for the way the system was implemented, so it's not your responsibility, but no, it is it your is. responsibility to fix it. Yeah, absolutely. It is absolutely my responsibility. I accept that. It's, it's my responsibility to make sure that what we do is close the gap on the 90%. So close that down and get that to around sort of 98% if we can um, by season end. Absolutely have to do that. And the fans need to know I'm committed to that. But at the same time, what I've got to do is make sure in the background that what we're going to land is elite and, and it, it supports officiating moving forward. And we are absolutely 100%. The girl has given me the green light to go as hard as we possibly can. And I think the important thing for fans um, you know, to, to, to recognise and know, this is not something that's just happened in the last you know, couple of weeks. 
I've been looking at this since the start of the season and understanding that this this was going to be a problem for us. What we've done with all the rules um, is, uh, and and you know, people talk about unintended consequences. We, we have made the games so competitive now. The competition is just so close that the scrutiny is stronger than it's ever been, and all of these areas are affected by that. So there's got to be improvement. How close are you to a mid-season trade period for next year? where players can be traded, picks can be traded? It, it's certainly a discussion point. Uh, it's uh, I've met with the... Um, we're, we're about 12, uh, 12 clubs through at the moment in a mid-season review, um, and, and that includes both the um, heads of footy and also the senior coach, uh, and it's a real deep dive on the rules and also some of the stuff that we're currently considering. Off the back of that, uh, in July, we'll have a competition committee, and, and there'll be you know, a range of things that'll actually be put in front of them, and that'll be one of the things that'll, that'll uh, be put in front. I think the pleasing thing is with the mid-season draft, that has softened the approach to a mid-season trade. Why, why would it be a good thing to have a mid-season trade? Uh, well, it depends on what it looks like, Jared. I, I think that what the fans are looking for is um, they're, they're looking for greater engagement through that period. Um, they're, you know, what, what we can see from the mid-season draft and also the supplemental period is there's 28 players that have found their way onto AFL lists. That's pretty exciting. And then the other part is do you then create another window on top of that where players are actually on AFL lists can come and go? Um, yeah, I, I think there's some excitement around that. For us, um, it, it's what it looks like. We, we've got to get behind the mechanics of that. So a full buy round while you have a trade window? Uh, potentially. That, uh, so when I say potentially, that is that that is all up in the air, that. But it's certainly something that's being uh, considered. Steve, thanks for coming in. I know I flogged the hobby, hobby horse and I have to apologise to Kane, Bob and Josh, but it is the, it's the topic of the moment. Thanks, Jerry. Steve Hocking, the, uh, the AFL operations boss from the AFL. So you've heard it as to what they're doing with the score review and how it continues to operate now. We will dissect it all on crunch time after the break the award-winning crunch time what the h is the deal at honda seven year warranty and roadside assist across a great range search honda offers head to subway and try the new hot grilled paninis Crunch time this Saturday in the aftermath of Geelong's 27-point win over the Crows and Essendon's six-point win over the Giants and all manner of discussions around the score review. A self-declared embarrassment to the AFL and a pledge to build a proper system modelled on those from around the world and around the country that might be in place by the finals but will certainly be in place for round one of next year. Jared Waitley, Kane Corns, Bob Murphy and Josh Jenkins with you. Crunch time, know what the H you're getting Search Ask Honda and try the new hot grilled paninis at Subway. For those who have just joined us, Steve Hocking, the footy boss from the AFL, has been here to answer all those questions. I apologise to Kane, Bob and Josh. It just it took me all that time to sort of get to some sort of conclusion. So all I can do is apologise and ask no, you what Bob, you think. Bob just, said, Bob just said he's not sending his invoice in this week, Jared. In the <laughs> I, I said there. I was thinking about it. <laughs> I was thinking of it. Now, we, i got to say, Drew, we're... It was pretty entertaining. I know how passionate you are about the score of uses. It was a it was a scratch that had to be itched. Did you feel like you had him? Uh, uh, <laughs> he was nervous. Oh, he was he was on edge. Jared, did you feel like you had the boss, the footy boss of the AFL rattled there? Uh, no. with the, the goal line edge technology. Yeah. So the goal line edge. I probably should tweet this. Is so the tremors on the goal line edge when there's daylight between the ball and the post, and then the tremors when a the ball is apparently hitting the posts. 
I defy anybody to be able to choose which is which on that. And if that was the system for Snicko in cricket, mm. I tell you, Virat Kohli would never leave the middle. He would never leave the middle. So there is a leap of faith. So clearly um, he knows the specifics of the technology and I don't. So to some degree, uh, you have to take that um, for what it's worth. But in the way that was presented last night as being beyond reasonable doubt, um, I, I would have my doubts about that. And then beyond reasonable doubt on Thursday night is, so whichever way the score reviewer went, the AFL would have been comfortable is that that's not the threshold. So the th- that's that's on the balance of probabilities. We'll back you either way. Is beyond reasonable doubt is when there is a correct answer and when there is an incorrect answer. They're clearly um, very nervous about this affecting the final series as well. So they've got you know, eight or nine weeks to, to scamper to get this correct and get this as best they can because their worst nightmare is not a result like it was on Thursday night. This is in a prelim final or a grand final. So do you think it'll be sorted? Do they have enough time to get it as accurate as possible by that time? I think they can improve it by the reduced numbers in September, yes. Um, I doubt they can have the full bunker technology and, and that set up um, until round one next year, but they can certainly have who they consider to be their absolute best person do the nine games of the final series in, in some sort of setup. Yep. Mm, and Josh is a big advocate for the American sports. What do you make of the comments about the, the mid-season trade and potentially draft? It's, I, I like the sound of it because um, there's always a player, Bob, at, or players at clubs who aren't getting the opportunity they want, would field elsewhere. You know, you'd be able to look, you know, take your five seconds to think of a player at Club X who could help um, Club Y. So I think it'd be fantastic and particularly that one week off would probably highlight that mid-season trade. It's, I suppose it's hard for you, Josh, but do you, have you got a sense of the broader playing group of, of whether they'd be in favour or not? No, I don't, to be to be truthful. Um, it would be... It'd be difficult to... be difficult to go through that process. You know, let's say... Let's just say I, let's say I, I was traded next yeah, year. Can, can we work that? Are you brave enough, Josh, to take a real case study? Uh, as long as it doesn't become a real a real okay, case so study let's, let's in put real life. <laughs> hypothetical all over yeah, this, yeah, okay? Because this yeah. worked with Bob earlier in the year. That, we didn't have any <laughs> yeah, trouble that with great. that. That went terrifically <laughs> that went well. We'll have, we'll have Josh at the, the, yeah. the Bulldogs if, by the if, afternoon. <laughs> if between round 11 and 12 when the comp was set down, Adelaide came to you and said, we're going to trade you to Essendon, and you could see at Essendon there was an absolute need for you to be there whilst yep. it wasn't entirely clear at Adelaide, how would you have felt about it? It's going to be. It's. I think it's going to be hard to pull the trigger unless you've got, as a player, you need more foresight than a week. Now that's that's incumbent upon the individual to say, hey, things aren't exactly working out. But if if it if I'm fully if I'm fully engrossed in what we're doing at Adelaide, and only the start of the trade week or the or the second day of the trade period, my club comes to me and says, hey, we want to move you on. You've got basically, what, three or four days to consider everything. Your family situation, your lifestyle, your footballing situation. It would be hard to be able to make a really good and informed decision on your future, on your life, in in three or four days. What if you had no choice? What if the system was set up that Adelaide could come to you and say, we just traded you to Essendon? No, I, I think that's too far to start with because... 
we're not quite we're not look we get paid well but there are guys there, there's there's plenty of guys who who aren't earning extravagant amounts of money who can just uproot everything and just go there's a financial side of it as well and there's it's it would be very difficult to be able to just say and and there's a there's a culture aspect that perhaps the american teams don't have as well where guys buy in guys are in leadership groups guys are in positions of power at, at clubs and you're going to uproot them and and say you've got no choice in the matter i think that's too far i just wonder how it helps the bottom teams as well jared at this point where well you, know, you could fi- get overs in a priority you yeah, definitely Albert, get overs yeah. within season to what you'd get after we'll come back mm. to this we, we did ask mark blitzabs to join us i know he's got a function so he's walked out to join us he he was the star of last night mark welcome to crunch time thanks guys thanks for having me tell us did you know last night that you would play a period of time in the ruck going into the game? Uh, yeah, we've, we've been speaking about it a little bit over the last couple of weeks. Um, and, yeah, going into the game, I knew I would come up for a little pinch hit. Uh, I didn't expect to play as much as I did. Um, but I also didn't think that um, I would probably have as much influence as I did um, early when the, in that second quarter when I was able to come into the rock. So, so when, did, when did you get the tap take, to go in? Um, I was told oh, mid, midway through the second quarter, uh, the plan was to just go up for a little pinch hit and then at halftime, um, the tap was probably made that, oh, you'll stay in there for the majority now. And was that because they felt and you felt that uh, you had a, a deal of control when you went in there? Um, I think they just liked the follow-up um, that it gave on the ground level um, and were able to get the ball forward and, and play a bit more forward half footy, um, which which allowed us to set up really well behind the ball and, and get the game uh, in, control, uh, in control for us, I suppose. I think Adelaide started really well um, and, and they were able to kick some goals and, and get the ball forward and looking dangerous up forward. So I think a move had to be made and, and that was a move. What what adjustment does it require in your game? So you're playing full-back Tex Walker, who's a big figure in the game, and then uh, whack, you're into the ruck. And it's probably a little while since, is it the third man up days, the last time you were truly in the ruck? Yeah, yeah, something like that, Jared. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, I didn't think I'd be back in there. But, um, no, I was, I was pretty relaxed going in. I, I um, didn't, obviously, I do a lot of vision and, and study of the, the forwards and, and how the ball's entering inside 50, but not much of the ruck. So I, I just sort of... I suppose, winged it when I got in there and, and just tried to fight and scrap and, and nullify um, O'Brien as much as I could, and, and that was the plan. And, um, yeah, I've, obviously it helps. I've played ruck for three or four seasons previously um, that, that I'm, I feel conf- confident that when I go in there, I can I can do something. Kane. Joel Selwood, for 11 out of his 12 seasons, has probably started in the centre square for, I don't know, 95% of the start of the game. It hasn't been the case this year. He's been moved out. But last night, he was back in there. Mark, was was that about the mindset of the touch-up you got in the contested footy last week? Yeah, I think a little bit of that. And, and I think, um, yeah, it's just the role, um, different midfields from week to week, who we need in there. But um, you're right, Joel's been amazing for the previous years and, and he's um, relishing his role on the wing, mainly this season. But to have him back in there and... and perform the way he did and, and yeah he I thought he was fantastic. He looked sharp around the ball and, and made good decisions away from it as well. So um, I thought he had a ripper game. Blitz, congratulations. Uh, Josh Jenkins here. I wasn't overly thrilled to see you play as well as you did last night, but kudos nonetheless. Just talk to he's the talk of the talk of the town at the moment, Tim Kelly and all the stuff surrounding him about where his future lies. Talk to us about the 
the player Monday to Friday, the guy we don't get to see and how he conducts himself and just how he's been able to, to, to basically translate second year he's a Brownlow favourite. Yeah, it's been an amazing um, couple of years for Tim. Obviously going from the Waffle to then playing his first game to to now having an amazing season this year. Um, he's, he's the ultimate professional. He is, he's, a, he's a quite unassuming character during the week and he, he just gets his stuff done. And um, yeah, he... he uh, was was below his, his best last week. Port's pressure um, was very good, but um, yeah, just the way he got into this week and then was able to step up again, I think shows a sign of a very good footballer. And um, yeah, he's been he's been enormous this year. And again, to um, influence the game, not only with his touches, but he kicks goals too. It's it's something that we um, yeah value very highly. Mark Bob here. Congratulations! Another another sterling win. I'm, just, I'm curious, just. For you personally, what sort of what sort of influence does Colin Jasny and, and Jack Henry how, that they allow you to play your sort of freewheeling game? Yeah, I think I think it's a real strength of our whole backline um, that versatility. We, um, we especially with Jack Henry and Collar, um, they can play tall, they can play small, so um, that helps because um, obviously each forward line is different per week. So um, we felt very confident that when I moved up into the ruck. Um, Collar was to then go to text. Um, yeah, we backed him in and, and knew that he could do a good job. So, um, yeah, it's been great. It, it helps myself. It helps Harry too, knowing that um, if we can lock our man down, we've got them flying third up and, and both of them are strong in the contest and, and really good marks. So um, I think that's the strength of the overall back line that, that we've got those two in there. I know players are built for one week at a time. I, I know you don't look too far ahead, but what, <laughs> would, a, what would a home final at GMHBA mean to, mean to the club? Oh, it'd be huge. It's it's something we're pressing for if, if we earn the spot and um, and we we deserve a home final. We'd love to have it. Um, I think it's it's great for the town. It's it's great for the um, the club. And um, yeah, it'd be amazing. We love playing there. We obviously train on it uh, most days. So um, to have that home advantage, it, I think it would be an advantage for us and something we're really striving for. Um, whether we get it or not, um, that's obviously not up. Up to the players, it's more up to the, the Geelong um, higher-ups to work with the AFL on that. Um, but, um, yeah, I'm more than happy to just play a, a final anywhere. It's just been, it's good being in finals. So, um, yeah, I'm not too fast. You're a potential All-Australian fullback. Where do you expect to play the majority of footy for the rest of this year? Uh, down back. I still consider myself <laughs> a backman. And, uh, I enjoy that spot, and we've got a good bunch of guys down there. So... Um, I've said it in uh, numerous interviews. I'm, I'm happy to play my role, and wherever the coach needs me, I'll, I'll try and do my job to the best I can. But um, yeah, mate, down back's good. Do you think they'll ask you at training routinely now to sharpen your ruck craft, though, just to be ready? Um, yeah, they could. Whether I say I'm going to do that or not is another thing. But <laughs> um, no, yeah, no, yeah. I, I think I'll, I'll um, definitely be working closely. We've got Brad Alton's down there who who works closely with our Ruckman, so I'll, uh, I'll be chatting to him a bit more, but um, no doubt keeping keeping close with the defenders as well. Mark, we, we spoke briefly, or Bob spoke briefly, about, about your defensive group, and we probably left out the guy who came in and did a remarkable job last night, Jed Buse. Talk to us about, because he's played on, I know he's played on Eddie a, a fair few times and had a, had a remarkable record. Talk to us about his ability um, to just come straight in and, and lock down you know, one of the great small forwards of all time. Yeah, yeah, he's a riff of beauty um, in my draft year. So, um, yeah, we're, we're very close. And 
Um, I just think he's uh, a great one-on-one player, um, really contested. We've, we've been trying to get him in for the last previous weeks, but um, <clears throat> the the other backs have been going really well, so haven't been able to get him in. But we're really confident he could do the job again on Eddie. Um, he's really physical, Jed, and, and not only that, he reads the ball well and he's quick. So, um, yeah, we're, we're really confident. And, and for him to come in straight away for his first game this season and play the way he did it, um, yeah, it's it's fantastic. He's he's very happy, and yeah, we're we're happy for him. Mark, good of you to join us. I appreciate it. Knowing you've got a, a step into a lunch, uh, and good luck for the rest of the season. No worries. Thanks for having me, guys. Cheers. Mark Blitzavs, who uh, would be right on the front line of being an All Australian defender, and last night reminded us of his versatility and what a weapon that he might be if the Cats need to swing him into the ruck at some stage. Jared Waitley, Kane Corns, Bob Murphy, and Josh Jenkins with you on Crunch Time. Know what the H you're getting? Search Ask Condor and try the new hot grilled paninis at Subway. So we, we were just mid discussion around the what a mid-season trade period might look like. And I think there is a, a leaning towards that happening next year. Um, footy has a rich but forgotten heritage in this where players were traded mid-season. Gareth Andrews told us the story a little earlier in the year that two weeks in a row he played on Arnold Brightus. One of those was when he was lining up for Geelong and the next one when he was lining up for Richmond. So uh, those who say this is just a, an American imposition uh, have forgotten the, the history of our game, but how would it actually work? And we're lucky enough to have a, a current-day player with us in Josh Jenkins at the moment. So what do you think, Josh, would be the push and pull between um, at the moment the players seem to have more power at the end of the season? Do you think it's a reasonable proposition that in the middle of a season the clubs might have more hand in these things? Well, I think, and this is a, this is a relatively external view because I haven't been involved or fortunately asked to be involved in the trade period at the end of the season, but I think the I think the power is slowly moving somewhat to, towards the clubs because they're getting more aggressive. And look, at the end of the day, if you know, contract or not, at the end of the season, if, if, if your club or your employer comes to you and says, look, we, we want to move you on, it, I think it's quite likely that you see that, that player you know, move. I think Ryan Burton is probably the, the prime example. He, he had no intention of leaving Hawthorne, but Hawthorne came to him and said, hey, we want to get Chad Wingard in. So I think that balance of power, even though by the letter of the law, it's still with the player. I think the clubs are are becoming a little bit more bold in that period and saying, hey, yeah, you're contracted, but we still want to move you. What would you expect from your own club? So if, obviously we ran the hypothetical if you were involved in it. So you're in the leadership group at Adelaide. Yep. The Crows clearly identify a need through the first half of the season as this is the one position we're weak or this is where we've landed an injury. If, if we do go down this path for next year, would you expect your club to be bold and to fill the hole that had been exposed and thus uh, jolt your your um, possibilities within season? Yeah, I think, and I think what we need to understand and what's more likely is we, we may... We may I, I don't think we'll see a move... You know, if we bring this in next year, we might see zero moves and we might see one the year after. You know, we might see two or three, um, but I don't think there's going to be... Because you've got to find... takes two to tango. You've got to find a club, Bob, who who wants to be involved, who has a need, um, you know, of, of mm. similar worth. Because there's not... You know, like in America, there's... You know, you can pay cash to top up that... to make that trade equal. You've got to have two players who are willing two clubs who are willing, and then those two players have got to basically marry up in terms of worth. So it's 
it's it sounds great, but it's probably going to be unlikely. Yeah, it'd be interesting. I, I kind of tend to think it, that clubs would be more aggressive from the start because I, th- I think supporters want their clubs to be to be far more active at, at either end. If they if they're down the bottom, well, let's 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 get overs and let's start to stockpile and and sides who are sort of challenging. And we know how defined roles are now. I, I kind of I wonder, Josh, if if your view would change if if we did if they did bring it in that players could just be moved against their will. Because we put it on you now. It's yeah, an unfair yeah. question to drop on you now because it's not part of the landscape. So all of a sudden you're like, geez, I've got to uproot. I've got to uproot my family. Yeah, I've got to yep. do school, all sorts of logistical. Not. I think if it was part of the landscape, so this is just what players, this is just the conditions. Yeah. And also I think, I think it would be incumbent on the league to have an inbuilt... Uh, staff that work that work these logistics, so players are not worse off. That there's it's a smooth transition of whether they've got young kids. Yeah, or because that. it it'd be bumpy. It'd be oh, potentially it could be, but potentially it could actually be it could actually be handled. I think if we throw a bit of money and, and some people power at the problem. Yeah, it's a. I mean, I think it. I, I like the idea. I, I love the idea of a mid-season trade. I, I love the theatrical side of it as well. And you know, I am a massive fan of. US sports, and we see these blockbuster trades, which, you know, the in the NBA, the the transactions of players is is almost now more um, entertaining than the games. Now it's not going to get to that level with us, but um, I like the theatrics of it, and I think it's helpful yeah. for individuals. Well, the, and the clubs. appetite for for trade at, in our game is pretty ferocious, isn't yeah. it, Kane? Yeah, no, no doubt. I, I'm actually against it. I just think the one competitive advantage that you can have in this competition is the way you build your list from the start of the season. So we know salary cap, all that draft, it's all designed to be even. But if you manage your list like the best teams have done, that's one advantage you can have. So I don't think there should be a get-out if, if a Ruckman goes down. Well, well, bad luck that you didn't have a, a Ruckman as a backup. If you need a tag at midway point of the season, well, bad luck. you got 45 spots on your list. You should have accounted for all the different scenarios that come up. And, you know, luck's always played a bit of a part in this game. So I'm actually against it um, f- for those reasons. Feels good to disagree with you again. It's been a couple, <laughs> been a couple of weeks on the same. It's just sort of starting to throw me a little bit. If you'd like to have your say, give us a bell on the Star 21 open line, one 736 736 on either the score review or the possibility of a mid-season trade period. Star 21, your world, endless possibilities. Kane, before we finish with you, is... Um, Will Bryce Gibbs be dropped again after last night, do you think? I think so, Jerry. It's it's tough to watch him um, play at the moment. He's such a consistent performer for, I don't know how many, 10 years. Say 10 years for, for a, an average club like Carlton in his time there to be so consistent. And the year before he got traded to Adelaide, he was... He was every bit a, a, a top 10, 15 midfielder in the game. So to see him running around and having no impact on the games now um, is is hard to watch. Now, what role are they trying to get him to play? Josh might be able to explain that a little bit better. He's, he's played a bit off half-back through the midfield on the wing and, and a bit of a run with role. But he had no influence last night, none. He had no disposals in the last quarter when the game was up for grabs. So... Without the injuries last night, he's probably not there. And when Ellis Yolman and the like come back next week, he, he probably goes out. So you really do have to fear for his career. And I know there's a talk, well, why doesn't he go to another club? But I'm not sure it's as simple as that. Which club out there is willing to pick up Bryce's contract as it sits now? He's a South Australian boy. He's contracted, so financially he's OK. So it's an awful situation to be in as a player. I've been there with a couple of years to go on your contract and the club doesn't want you that you're at. I'm not, I'm not saying that's the case with, with Bryce and Adelaide, but you do question um, where to now. Josh, it's tough to speak 
about a teammate like it's pro- that. Yeah, it's but- probably not fair to ask Josh this one. So oh, I might just keep going at you, Kane. Is Do you think... So we had Sam Doherty with us last night, who was pretty well aghast as the way this season has unfolded, knowing that Gibbs is, um, knowing his quality, having played with him. Is Adelaide culpable for it? Is the way that he's been, they've almost broken his confidence, I think. To watch him play is to think, this is a reaction of a man who's getting dropped every second week, who feels that he is better. And it's not turning up his toes. It's, I think they've broken his confidence. The, the way that they've managed him as the season's gone on, I've disagreed with. A- initially, when when he was first dropped from Adelaide, I didn't have an issue with it. I, I, I watched him play, I think it was a Friday night game. He had, he had 27 disposals. And I remember saying in the call after the game, it, it's one of the worst 27 uh, disposal games that I've seen. He was then dropped the following week. So I had no issue with that. But I do have an issue for him um, being emergency sitting out, travelling and not playing at all, then going back to the Sandville, coming in as a late emergency, actually performing well in Darwin when, when he when he played a good role uh, on Oliver from Melbourne and then being dropped, then coming back in. So you can see the way that the season has withered away at his, his confidence, no doubt about that. So Adelaide do have some responsibility in that. But initially, Bryce has to ask himself, what has led to me getting out of form firstly? Did I do enough over the pre-season? And as you know, when, when, once you get older, you've almost got to do double the amount of work that you did uh, when you're a youngster. It doesn't get easier. It gets harder. So Can you, can it, you reboot it, Kane, do you think? Um, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't write him off. But Not on the look to, of last night, though, no, was it? He, I mean, he, he's a mile from He needs to define a role. It. He needs to have a definitive role. What is it? Where do you play your best footy? Because it, it's not in Adelaide's midfield because... Um, the, the Crouch brothers have gone in front of him and uh, you can't have that mix of Crouch brothers, Sloan, Gibbs, Ellis Yeoman, Greenwood. Y- you're too slow. You, you, you don't have the outside zip. So it is about the balance and right now he doesn't fit into the balance of that midfield. And what of Essendon, Kane, is you've been, uh, uh, if you believe they're a tease, is probably an element mm. of Thursday night that absolutely fits into that is when you see the last 15 minutes, that's the tease because they don't produce that often enough. Gone head-to-head with Kingy a little bit out on this program. He's a believer, isn't he, Kingy? And he was quick to jump on Twitter after the game, but but I'm not. I, I'm not. I need to see something different from Essendon. I need to see them win away from Marvel against the side that comes with a plan against them. What do they do when a side comes to shut down Saad and they're running halfback? So I, I haven't seen them cope with that. And you could argue that you know, season over and if it wasn't for some critical decision-making uh, on Thursday night from um, powers at B, that their season would have been done. So I'm not a believer, Jared. I don't think they play finals from here. I don't think they do any damage. And I'm not sure there's a team in the competition that has a bigger golf between their best and their worst footy. Yeah, it was there for us on Thursday night. Uh, the 40-wing series about sleep ladder update. If it's a good night's sleep, is your goal? Get into 40 wings. Geelong, top of the table. They stay there. They're 12 wins. Adelaide could drop as low as 8th if Brisbane, Fremantle and Port Adelaide. That's a lot of ifs, isn't it? Win this weekend. The Giants remain third after their loss to Essendon. But West Coast have a say in all of this as well. Uh, the Bombers are in ninth position. So they're on the outside looking in, as is Richmond, who we'll talk about as crunch time unfolds. Seven changes for the Tigers heading into this weekend. If a good night's sleep is your goal, get into 40 winks. Kane, always great to have you as part of it. 
See you next week. Kane Corns on duty for crunch time. We will delve with Bob Murphy and Josh Jenkins. Last Josh about his knee, what his forecast return is for Adelaide coming up as we get into the crunch and a glad bag of topics. We'll look back over Steve Hawking's interview around the score review as well. It's crunch time for Honda and for Subway. The award-winning crunch time. What the H is the deal at Honda? Seven-year warranty and roadside assist across a great range. Search Honda offers. Head to Subway and try the new hot grilled paninis. It is a gloomy afternoon at the MCG. It has deteriorated over the past hour or so, and it looks like the game might be played in pretty persistent rain. It's the return of Nick Natnui. And that is, that's a welcome sight for all in football and especially for West Coast who have built themselves a position without shooting the lights out at any stage. But their premiership defence could really get the spark that it's after as Nat Nui works his way back into footy. We'd all cross our fingers and hope today goes well for him and he can build from there. The Eagles are back at the MCG. Hawthorne is their opponent. What's happened so far is Geelong beat Adelaide by 27 points and Essendon in a come-from-behind victory over the Giants by six. Jared Waitley with you along with Bob Murphy and Josh Jenkins as we work through the issues in footy and the crunch. Scooty, a Scooty two-wheeled taxi, leave boredom behind. So Bob, what could well, other than being the most welcome side of all, the return of Nick Natanui, what could it do to the back half of the season? Oh, I, I have a sort of gut instinct that Nick Nick Nat, I mean it's great to see him, that's, that's, that's obvious just for all footy lovers, but I actually think he can have a, have a massive impact straight away that just his style of his style of play and, and often you know you know having come back from an ACL myself for for running players it can take a little while for that for the touch and the nuance in your play to sort of come back but because Nick Nat does so much of his work it's in and, in and around the ball you know the center square bounce and ball up throw he's so dominant in that area that he can recreate that kind of form pretty pretty much straight away that's that's kind of what I think. What, what are your thoughts, Josh? Firstly, I'll say it's a welcome sight uh, for all that don't have to go up against him in the centre square. <laughs> now, I'm going to have to uh, stand across from him in the centre square in Perth later in the season. So that should be enjoyable. But um, he's such a great... I've been lucky enough to spend some time with him away from footy. He Now, ACL shouldn't... You know, you wish they didn't occur to anyone, but for him to have, them twi- have two of them... Um, you are right. He's, he's going to be able to... The West Coast play the game in their half thanks almost to his dominance in the mm. ruck. Like their midfielders will they've automatically become ten percent better players than they already are and they're a premiership winning midfield because the ball is is gonna be going in their general direction more often than not, almost all the time because he's so dominant in the centre at his very best, he's unstoppable. And now without without guys coming off the back of the square and, and putting more pressure on. We haven't seen him in that. In that, and now, what we would do against him, what we've done in the past, we're sending two off the back of the square because we know he can hit it wherever. He can have Shuey on the fly, um, and that causes problem. You can't do that now. Mm. So his 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 value or his stock in the centre bounce, I think, is going to go through the roof. What's today like for him, Bob? You've you've lived this. Yeah. The, the, I remember there's certain moments that you can do all the training, Jared, and you pass all the tests, but there's there's nothing quite like a fierce tackle or, or where you just don't quite land the way you would the way you would want to. You kind of have to have one of those moments at some stage, and and if you haven't, it, it just that just might be the last lingering little doubt in the back of your mind of 
Um, he'd be, he'd be, he's done so much rehab. He's, he's been there. He's done it. You know, he's gone through it before. He's been pretty patient. They've, they've been really patient with him. But that, that was my experience. That there was just that. If there was one more box to tick, it was that, is that jarred landing or the crude tackle on you that you sort of think, okay, well now, now I can just sort of put it away and, I, and I'm, th- and well, I'm through the trenches. Everyone's had a vested interest in who has tackled him at training or or been trying to put him through their paces. They've got a vested interest in mm. pushing him, but not, you yeah. know, today the Hawks guys, you know, put it bluntly, they don't care. Their job is to dispossess yeah. him of the ball or knock him off. So today will be the first real test. You're right. What's your timeline, Josh? Um, I was just saying to the, to the guys earlier, I think, um, surprisingly, I think... I'm probably just going to fall short for next week, but I don't think it's completely out of the question that I could that I could play or put my hand up to play next week. I guess probably more likely is that I'll I'll be right for the following week against Gold Coast. So I've progressed really quickly, and uh, swelling and all those sorts of things, soreness have gone away really really quickly. So I've been quite lucky because um, it looked ugly, and unfortunately, it's it sort of turned out pretty well. Yeah. So this is um, this is surprisingly quick, isn't it, from where you started? Yeah, well, I, I mean, we, we're always a little bit hesitant about throwing around numbers because it was just one of those things, depends how long it settles down, and Paul Seedsman's injury, which was, you know, very similar in the exact same spot at the exact same, same time of the game, was the same. It, we're just not too sure. You know, I went and saw the surgeon. He said, oh, I think I think it would probably be four to six, but, I, you know, it might be two, it might be ten. I really, It's really hard to know with bone bruising and those sorts of things how quickly they can heal, and... Fortunately for me, it's heal, healing up quite quickly. I guess um, it, it might just be a volume thing. I haven't done much yet, so I might just fall short by a few days just because I haven't got the le- uh, the kilometres in the legs. All right, but uh, it's a good prognosis. Bob, is, did the Giants, uh, did a bit of um, varnish come off them on Thursday night? Yeah. As Leon Cameron spoken about the idea of, of growing up, is... If you're a if you're a seasoned and ready team, do you drop that game from the position they are in? No, no, it was it was it was a really disappointing loss for the Giants for a couple of reasons. I mean, Essendon were there for the taking to be, to be jumped at the start. That like that's really disappointing. And then and then to get yourself in front and then have Essendon allow them to come again. It, I, I thought they I thought their side had a a bit more maturity of just once they, you know, just to dominate and just shut Essendon down. And they just, I was I was all ready to be in the full Giants corner and they're just like, not quite. They're not quite there just yet, Jared. Did John Warsold play to the crowd a little bit on Thursday night? So in the aftermath, he said that the Bomber faithful had played a role and to be there on the night was to believe that that was absolutely true. Is if the Bomber faithful aren't a total buy-in with Warsfold, was that just a clever little line to say, hey, yeah, you guys, you guys, maybe you guys. It was probably just short of Jeff Geeshan who used to take the Tigers down to the, to take the players down in front of the cheer squad, take them <laughs> right down there. That was, that was, it's not quite at that level, but I, I, I think it's a, I think it's a, not a, not a bad little tactic, but more imp- you can, that only works or it only, you know, gets some momentum. If you, if you fight to the, to the line, like the Bombers did, I think that was probably the, the most emphatic support of, of John from the players was the way that they kept going and going and coming in at, at the Giants towards the very end. The shadow of Richmond, Josh, so seven changes and uh, some of their key personnel back with Revolt and Nan Curvis to come in the next few weeks. Are, are we all on alert for the Tigers? They sit on the outside looking in. 
feel like they've taken their lumps, and this is this is the starting point really of their assault. It is. I think we all are because I think most people accept they've been the dominant side over the past twenty four months. Certainly, they would have been disappointed not to have at least made the grand final, and uh, if not a little bit more. So, you know, I think we all understand how how much firepower they've got to come back into the side. Whether they've still got that, um, whether they're still able to play off of that, I think they're ahead of their time, Bob, with that that um, enthusiasm and being able to play for each other. I think other teams have sort of caught up on that, and we all sort of copy each other, and yep. that perhaps is 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 not quite. Um, I wouldn't say it's not there. I'd just say other teams have. have well, it's harder up to do that. when you've got change. Yeah, that's they, right. That, yeah. that group had, had played so much footy together that they, you know, they. Mm. It's hard to. Unit. It's hard to. You played seven games or three games. It's hard to be looking over at your mate and smiling when you're just trying to. You. I just want to get a kick, and I'm not worried about yeah. smiling and having fun. Yeah, I, I think they can. I think they're. They. Well, I think. I think they believe that they'll. They'll make a run, Jared. Whether whether they can get the chemistry back in time, we'll wait and see. But I mean, we reference it a lot. But just listening to to Jack on AFL 360 often, you you, you get the sense that they. He very much still believes that if they can get a couple back and they can make a run at it. When we're in the crunch for Scooty, the quickest way to leave the MCG. Scooty, your two-wheeled taxi, download the app today. Eastern Woods, uh, not for the first time, sort of took the anti-gambling advertising stance on uh, on Fox during mm. the week. Is Josh Watts, do you think there would be a mood within the players to to do what Easton said? And the extreme version of that is to sacrifice money to take the, the moral and ethical high ground. This is going to sound crass, but no, because I don't... There's not, there's not a lot of players who, who are as thoughtful or who, who think about um, things holistically like Easton does. Um, I think if you put it to a vote, now as again it sounds crass, but if you put it to a vote, I think it would be quite strongly uh, opposed. But that's just because you know perhaps if if guys are made to sit down and 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 be um, told how this impacts society and what what it's sort of doing to the next generation, perhaps you'd get more buy-in. But I think um, unfortunately it's probably a no. Would it would it have made the AFL uncomfortable, Jared? Do you think during the week? Um, it might have. A little bit, but that's a bit of discomfort's not a bad thing. No, no. Um, you know, is there is there any willingness industry wide to have a conversation as was once had about cigarette advertising in sport? The answer is probably no at the moment, but it takes people to force that conversation. Um, the the Gillan McLaughlin sort of on record going, if if the AFL bailed out of gambling advertising, it wouldn't make any difference to the landscape. I, I dispute part of that is sort of in one breath you say the community looks to us to lead on various issues and on the others you say, well, if we did lead, it wouldn't make any difference. I, I, I actually think um, one informs the other on that front. But So we're not at that point as a, a community just yet, but it is, it's valuable to have a thoughtful voice put that forward and just and prick a few consciences and just to, to see if there is the willingness and it would build over time to uh, to flesh out that conversation. Yeah, and like you say, it's not the not the first time. This is, I think, Easton maybe a year or two ago. Yeah. He's, so he's um, yeah, very passionate about it. Do you think, um, are those voices welcome, Josh, to hear within the player group, and you're, you're all different, um, is, it, is it worthwhile to have a, a voice like that raised from time to time? 
absolutely. I, I think players, players, uh, certain players have have just have massive. Um, they have massive grasp and reach with their, with their opinion because because at, at at the time and Bob's been in his position, we're living it from from day to day. Now, I guess the gambling topic's a little bit different, but even things like rules of the game and how the game's played and how we want the next generation to play. I, th- I think the players are the probably the most untapped resource and probably most important resource because you know we're the ones who have got to go out and implement it and do those sorts of things. So whether it's whether it's off-field things like Easton's talking about with the gambling or, or rules or any kinds of things like that, there's certainly players who who are A, interested in getting involved and, and B, have, have a worthwhile opinion. Particularly if, they're, if they really mean it. If they really mean it, mm. and they've and there's some thought behind it, and and it's not just sort of just throwing things at the wall, which that's that, that's why I found it really interesting with Easton that this is this is not the first time, and he's and he was prepared to put a uh, put a stake to it as well. And that's probably why it's it, it does reach so far because he's not prompted, he wasn't prompted to say mm. it, and it's and it's very easy for him to say, look, you know what, I, I do feel. You know, I wish we didn't have it, but you know, I'm not going to say anything. I'll just let it go, and it doesn't yep. doesn't have to be raised. But I think that's why it, it, it reaches so far because he's so passionate about it and makes people stand up and take note. So, last one before the break, Bob. It's Tom Boyd is going back to play suburban footy, which is yep. which is a lovely notion. It has been documented in the media, including cameras going out to training to film it. Do you think? <laughs> We should just leave him alone. We know why he's left the game. He's left the yep. main stage. And the whole circumstance around it and the attention is part of that. We know that with our eyes wide open. Is it really in the public interest to watch him go and train at his suburb? Or could we just let him be for a bad, while? It's, it's bad taste, Jared. Bad taste with the context that you've that you've. Um, pointed out there and you know th- th- there's a lot of concern I get that for Tom and, and you know the, the way he left the game and, and the troubles that he's had but I, we j- just with the information that tells us all we need to know that Tom's that Tom's doing well that he wants to go back and play footy and he wants to go back to his local club that that's just a nice good story but I think that's where it sort of begins the, and ends this strikes at the heart of um, player versus media because this is an area where this is a situation where, you know, there's no reason for Tom to be filmed. He's, we, there's just no reason whatsoever. It's, it's not a breach of privacy, but it almost is. And I think this strikes at the heart of when players arc up, and I'm not really one of them because I, I, I love the media, I love being involved, but when players arc up and say, just, can, I just, can I just be a person? This is, this is almost the, the best example. And yet, you know, there's not sort of a an unwritten rule of let, let's leave this guy alone because it's probably beneficial for him to be left alone. There's a difference between what's in the public interest and what's voyeurism. This is clearly voyeurism in my view. Just let him be. Just let him mm, go and yep. play in the suburbs. It doesn't affect anything on the footy landscape that he's returning to play with his mates in the suburbs. He's stepped away from public life, hasn't he? Yeah. As it were. And, and no, we know it. It's absolute yep. eyes wide open. Just let the man 
be. Mm. After the break, we look into the games to come today and in the remainder of round 15, there's a couple of real curiosities in it as well. Josh Jenkins and Bob Murphy with you on Crunch Time for Honda and Subway. On 11.16 SEN, the award-winning Crunch Time. What the H is the deal at Honda? Seven-year warranty and roadside assist across a great range. Search Honda offers. Head to Subway and try the new hot grilled paninis. So what lies in store in the remainder of round 15 next to go at the MCG? And it is going to be miserable here. It is ferociously windy and it's going to be wet. It's raining now and there's the heavy stuff still to come. Hawthorne and West Coast. Josh Jenkins, Bob Murphy on duty. The crunch for Scooty. Make your trip exciting. Scooty, two-wheeled taxis. Um, so we've touched on Nick Natanui and what's here. I'm interested in tonight, Collingwood and North Melbourne. The the pies are off the chewy a little bit, Bob. Um, mm. They're they're holding their position really well. They're getting the result most of the time. I feel like if they don't straighten it up tonight, I feel like North will probably get them. They ne- Yeah, they kind of need to start to put weeks in a row. Not, at the moment, they're kind of a little bit patchy. So... Bucks is clearly clearly frustrated, and North North will make you earn it. So they've got they've got their tail up at the moment, the Kangaroos. So it could could be a little bit in tonight's game, and 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 the Pies, you know, they they're not at their absolute best, but they are winning. But if they if they are going to be the challenger that many of us think they will be, they'd want to they'd want to start to straighten it up a little bit. At Adelaide Oval, Port Adelaide and the Western Bulldogs, Josh's. Um, Porter have this opportunity as they opened it last week by downing Geelong. They need to bank tonight and then get to the business of you and Brisbane, the two teams that sit directly ahead of them. In a way, it's the perfect scenario for them is if they want to stack up, you pick off the teams above you and uh, and they will stack up. Yeah, and there's been, there has been a, a strong narrative over here more so that, that Port have tended to drop these sorts of games where they you know they come off a showdown or a big win like they did last week against Geelong and and drop a team or drop a game against the Bulldogs where they're they're heavily favoured. Um, I think they'll win, but it's probably it's almost I think it's a little bit unfair on to, to label it that kind of game. I think Bulldogs have still got enough um, juice in them to cause some legitimate problems, Bob. Yeah, well, that, I, I saw the dogs live last week, and you know f- the connections and the finishing again. But they're getting so much of the ball, so much inside fifty. So I, I think the dogs would, you know, maybe not fancy themselves as the the wrong phrase, but I, I think I think it might be closer than what a lot of people think. We spoke about Richmond. The other side of that coin is St Kilda. There's there's a mood around St Kilda, real or imagined, or somewhere in between. Um, you know, almost drifting towards conspiracy. The, the idea of whether Alan Richardson's papers are marked or whether mm. the, there's the idea of whether he's fighting for his job. Um, it, it's, uh, it's, it's an intriguing situation, I, yeah. I think, and trying to, it's, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a bit of a strange situation, isn't it, Jared? That, we, you know, we spoke about it the other night of the expectation on St Kilda was really low before the season started and... And they've been able to win some games. They've, they've won a couple. Haven't haven't looked great. Really bad luck. But there, there's an unmistakable sort of I described it as an eeriness around around Which is at weird. The I'm just look, looking at the ladder. If they, it's not it's not all it's not completely win, logical. If they but they win, you feel it. Which you know they're not favoured to do so. But if they beat Richmond, there there's a potential for them to be only percentage outside of the eight at the end of the round. Mm. So 
Like the the reality of where they could be at or where they're at now versus uh, the perception of the coach and what's going on, they're, they're far, far apart as far as I'm concerned. Bob, what's the risk of... Um, of inciting paralysis in these moments where the players suddenly become acutely aware of the consequences out of particularly out of the uh, the one disastrous quarter last week yeah it can be because often this is the th- it's probably not spoken about so and if there's if there's tension within the club the the older players w- will either know about it or will definitely feel it whereas but the other players other players will feel it maybe even unknowingly when there's tension in there and there's and there's the eeriness it can it can manifest itself on the field in in unusual ways and that's when you know we can have some strange results the lions in melbourne so the demons i reckon have the potential to be a tricky prospect for most teams in the back half of the season the lions got their away win um, all they have to do now is defend home and they're going to see finals, which is all they have to do, he says. Yeah, that's right. It, 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 this is, this is, they've failed on this test a couple of times this year, Brisbane. They had, the, had a big opportunity against the Blues and they blew that one. This is, this is another one. But I, I, it feels like Melbourne have already sort of started their next season. And, and you, can, you can imagine, can't you, Josh, internally, like, well, let's, let's go on a, on a mission to... To upset other teams, let's let's yeah. let's put Brisbane's finals chances for sure. I on think the back foot. I think um, where and I think Chris Fagan said it himself. The the maturation of Brisbane is to go and win those games and drop that game to to Carlton. That's why he's probably so frustrated. But the difference of for them, probably the difference for them being home and away is is the largest of anyone in the competition. You'd argue perhaps the Perth team still have that, but but they are such a formidable team up in Brisbane and they've mm. been building that. And they're probably growing on the road, so I think uh, I think I'm quite confident Brisbane will handle Melbourne at home. The crunch, the quickest way to leave the MCG scooter, your two-wheeled taxi. Download the app today, and Fremantle plays Carlton at the end of the round. Paddy Cripps, uh, we're tonight a look at him in that game. He's lost Brownlow favouritism. We'll see how long he sits on the sidelines. Uh, great to have you with us, Josh, uh, and good luck getting yourself right in the short term. Thank you. Josh Jenkins and Bob Murphy. Bob, talk to you next week. Good on you, Jared. The quickest way to leave the MCG scooter your two-wheeled taxi. Download the app today. So round 15, if you're heading to the footy, grab the AFL records on your way and still just $5 thanks to Karcher, the official 2019 partner of the AFL record. The MCG this afternoon, the Hawks and the Eagles coming up. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.